This is Limit Up, the show where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology so that you can take your trading to the next level. Did you hear the great news? Uh, specifically, 2020 is freaking done. Or at least we got four more days and God knows what's going to happen in that time. Oh, and welcome to the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step. I'm Jack Pelzer. Dan is, let's think what Dan's doing this week in Wisconsin. Uh, Dan is in some sort of uh, competitive snowshoeing competition out there. He'll be back in the new year, so it's just me here. And I'm introducing one of our favorite episodes of the year. And by that, I mean, this is Jack and Dan's favorite episodes of the year. Favorite interviews, that is. Uh, we went down the list and chose some of our favorite interviews from uh, this terrible year, 2020. And we got some real treats for you. Um, you'll hear interviews, segments from Austin Silver, Matt Miller, Matt Merningham, a.k.a. Mern, uh, John Zampano, Jeremy Newsom, Adam Boostrom, my old colleague, and Chris Tate. It's going to be a rockin' good time, and uh, we could use it because uh, I think the New Year's Eve plans are kind of limited this year. The holidays were nice around my part. Uh, for New Year's Eve, I'm kind of a foodie. I'm just going to go over to my brother's place, who over Christmas... Uh, pointed out that I never mentioned him on the show. I didn't know that was too important to him, but my brother, Owen, he's a uh, high school teacher, and uh, he's also kind of a foodie, so we have some uh, tomahawk steaks coming in. We got some Japanese whiskey. We're going all out because we're not going to be spending much money at bars this year, uh, if you know what I'm saying. So I hope all you guys are out there, and ladies, traders of all kinds, are uh, taking some time off to reflect on the crazy volatility we had in 2020. Uh, just a few more days left this year. They'll probably be pretty thin, but come the new year, all sorts of new catalysts are definitely on the horizon. We got the stimulus passed finally, so uh, that's what I bought the tomahawk steak with, the presumable 600 bucks that I have coming. Um, but I think that there's still a lot of uncertainty in the markets that is yet to be resolved. I guess that's always the case, but especially in 2021. So I hope you're ready for that. Be sure to check out some of the deals we'll be running in the new year with Top Step. Uh, we're hoping to have a whole lot more payouts this year, but uh, the 2.1 plus million in 2020 wasn't bad. So hopefully we can beat that. In the meantime, let's just put all of this stuff behind us and try and do a little better next year all around. Um, thank you guys so much for being around and listening to this or as i've said before or else i would just be shouting into the abyss so it really means a lot to us and uh contact us stay in touch and we'll see you in 2021 everybody's interaction with the market is unique to them so everybody comes people don't come to trading unformed people come to it as adults with experience they've had you know, careers, they've had families, they've had experiences, and this forms their belief system. So your trading approach has to be your trading approach. So what we do is we get people to build trading systems that, that have some key components, like they all do. They have risk management. They they have the notion that you are, you try and trade in the direction of the trend. You know, sometimes we'll have people who have an interest in mean reversion, and we let them explore that. But it's trying to build a system that is theirs, that can trade any market over any time frame. But it's the recognition that it's idiosyncratic. So 
I have an objection to black boxes. And for a long time here in Australia, we had a lot of people spruiking these magic black boxes, and it was really just a moving average crossover. But if you've never, if you've never seen a trading system before, and someone presents to you a moving average crossover on something that has done nothing but trend, it looks like it's magic. And it looks brilliant. You think that's genius. I'll just print money because here's the goose that lays the golden egg. So the trading game was designed to simply take people to do that. Yeah, I was always interested in the markets. Um, my dad is actually, he studied finance. And in my mind, finance meant like stocks as like a high school kid. Um, and so that's what made me start like researching about it and like asking him some questions. He does nothing with finance anymore. So classic there. But it, that's what kind of opened my mind to it. Um, and then seeing like some things where like I got onto like stock twits or something like that and saw like some dudes that made like 500% overnight or whatever. And like the classic pump and dumps back then. And I was like, Oh my God, I want to, I want to make money trading. It sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I, uh, me too. I don't think I really realized what finance was. I thought it was all stock trading until uh, probably uh, late into my college career. Uh, yeah, same. You know, 100%. <laughs> I had to study it. It's a lot more, uh, you know, corporate finance and what have you like that. Well, that's cool. So you started using the Top Step program. And so once you got into futures, has that kind of been what you've been doing? Do you still yeah, experiment with yeah, other things? So basically, basically exclusively futures. Um and I just, I, I love futures. So coming from like the trading crypto hardcore as much as I could at the time, uh, it was 24-7 market. So I still actually work full time right now. Um, so being able to trade non-normal hours was super important to me. Um, and so futures obviously offered that. But then I realized that like with futures, you can literally come back to the same thing every single day, study how it moves, learn how it moves. And it's still going to be moving like the same day. I don't have to run a scanner for some stocks to figure out like what I'm going to trade that day. I know every day coming in to my desk, I'm going to be trading the NASDAQ and the ES, you know? And so like that consistency has like changed everything for me and makes it so much more enjoyable not having to like think about it too much. So I've morphed into like a heavy volume trader. So trading I feel is constantly evolving and changing the markets are doing something different every single day, which means like in my mind, I can't really have like one hit strategy that's going to just like work. Um, what I'm doing on a range day is going to be different than what I'm doing on a trendy day versus what I'm going to be doing when volatility is like skyrocketing. Right. So to cover the last couple of months, trading micros like crazy, uh, just de-risking myself a lot as much as I can, um, scalping the minis every now and then. Um, but Really, my strategy, I'm looking at like cumulative delta, pretty heavy um, in correlation to uh, like market profiles and just like different volume stuff. So I want to see at what price everybody's conducting um, at and see how that kind of confirms with everything else that I'm seeing on the chart. I've seen a lot of traders go from uh, the trading world into poker world. And I think we even have an early, early podcast talking about how poker playing translates with trading fairly well and understanding of risk management. Did you see that at all, Mern? Oh, yeah. I mean, especially um, early on in the, in the floor days, I mean, you'd have to read people uh, to kind of figure out order flow all the way up into 
probability theory and um, yeah, putting on longer term trades for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think see it's it on also... the broker's face. You can see it on the runner's yeah. face. You can see, you can see the uh, you can see Merrill Lynch standing up at their desk yelling sure. and screaming something in, and you can you can, you have to learn how to read people. That's a great yeah. point to make. And what's interesting is that transitions beyond the floor where you're not just reading people mm-hmm. uh, the best because especially you know people in their mid thirties they grew up playing internet poker yeah. as a thing. And they're just good at reading the market, reading order flow. Uh, the two, three best traders, including this guy that ran a very profitable uh, black box operation at the place I was at, all came from professional poker and sports gambling beforehand. Mm-hmm. And hey, people out there, if you can beat something like sports gambling, where they have the VIG and you are at a natural disadvantage, right? Yeah, you're probably pretty good. Pretty good. Can spot market inefficiencies, I'm sure. Not only that, but you understand you know, when to call it quits, which I know is something we're going to be touching on here later later on today. But that's one of the hardest things for traders in general is saying, okay, I'm done for this trade. I'm done for this day or this week, or maybe even this month. Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard to do that as traders and, you know, successful poker trader or poker players. They know when to say, hey, you know what? I can't bluff my way through this hand anymore. I have to fold um, so I can be a part of that next hand. Yeah. And I think uh, trading and, uh, you know, traditional gambling, uh, you really, uh, if you have poor odds, you're not going to enter a hand. You're not going to, you know, put on a trade. And I think that's another something that is between the two that are pretty. uh, Yeah, that separates gambling and trading. Yeah. So was there a big, and I think about this in terms of our retail traders, was there a big mental barrier when you guys were out on your own risking your own capital. Now, when you work at Prop Shot, sometimes you are to an extent you're um, you are risking your own capital because you oftentimes have to have reserve uh, requirements with them, or you keep some money in the firm. But was that different? Because it, it definitely is for me. When I was trading at a firm, I felt like I had a much larger risk appetite. I was able to keep uh, my head on straight, taking way bigger swings. And now, if I trade on a whim somewhere. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm very thrifty. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's something everyone runs into, right? For sure. For sure. I mean, the, you know, the first, the first couple months it's, Hey, I need to cover costs. And then it's, you know, I will adjust my size based on one, uh, if my strategies are working, if they're profitable, but also keeping in mind that there, there is a bottom line and, you know, you have to hit it. Absolutely. I mean, you think about it, you just mentioned you're at 4,500 a month just to open the door mm-hmm. and show up and start trading. Then you have your life costs. You know, you still have to eat, yeah, sleep, right. yeah. you know, function. So you're looking. You have to turn a decent chunk each month, and it starts to weigh on you. Those losses feel a little bit bigger. The uh, the profits feel a little bit smaller. Yeah, and uh, it's definitely a grind. I could imagine. Mm-hmm. So it seems uh, from reading your sheet here, like you took a little more than a forty five hundred dollar drawdown at some point. Oh yes. <laughs> Fast forward a little bit. Um, after uh, we had kind of parted ways in the partnership, uh, it took a it took a quite sizable drawdown of my own own personal money, and like most extreme things, it wasn't like one one day one you know short amount of time. It was kind of over the course of a month. Uh, some two two things actively trying to size up, saying, "Hey, like I had a really good first quarter, so I'm just gonna you know double my size for no other reason other than that." <laughs> the past performance that I'd had, uh, I thought that I was now allowed to trade, you know, 
two X of what I used to, which there's a great not... teaching moment coming from this in a moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, very quickly realized that that's not sustainable, but also a very terrible idea to, to in, you know, set in stone, Hey, I'm going to double my size right now. So just to get to that point, cause I did skip ahead a little bit. Um, I apologize. It, it, I was asking about, you know, the differences between, trading your own money versus trading firm money. And it seems after a while, that's what led you to go back into uh, mm. the firm world, right? Uh, yeah. So, and that's the one real advantage of prop trading firms, I think, and why I was drawn back is that you can scale, you can safely, uh, you know, uh, simulate your strategies and then go into the live market. Whereas when you're on your own or if you're in a, in, in a partnership situation, you have to trade almost just to keep like, you know, just to keep the doors open or, or just keep, keep going. Um, and the difference in risk that you can take in a prop firm, uh, is that it's not as personal as, uh, trading in a partnership. Or it's it's partnership. a big difference. You don't have every, any penny you make and lose when it's your money, it kind of weighs on you. You feel those a lot more when you're, it's a prop firm. Losses don't really add up in your head. You have an idea of, hey, this is you know my limits set by the firm. This is what kind of risk I can have. I can kind of push myself each and every day around my risk, and then I'm done. Like as long as I don't do it every single day for three months straight, that I'm pushing my limits every single day, I'm gonna be okay. I've got a job the next day. I think a lot of people get into trading with the expectation that they're just gonna live off of it. When in reality, they don't even take. I find people don't even take the time to do the simple math of how much money do you need per month just to get your expenses by, and then what would be a reasonable percent return on that to get you that profit? People don't even do that. They're like, if I just put a thousand in or ten thousand in, I could start living off of this. And I just think you have to be realistic. And I'm I never want to be you guys never want to be the asshole or the rude person to shut them down. I was right? a sergeant in the Marine Corps. I have no problem telling someone. So, so I'll put you. I'm very fine. very honest and realistic in expectations. You have to be. You have and to so be. you can't, you just don't expect that. Like, don't start trading if that's your process. Like, if that's your thought, right. sorry, this isn't the right You'll job for you. You'll be an awful trader. You'll be a terrible trader because you, you got to focus on the process. And maybe, I'm not sure how you guys trade exactly, but for me, like, I don't find trades every day. There are days I've got to come here, sit here for two hours, and I don't see anything. And then i got to pull myself off before I lose money on something stupid. That's trading to me. So if you come here to make money and you got to pay rent with this money, you're just putting yourself at a really, I mean, you're asking to go gray. Well, cause then you'll take those trades. So like if, you know, you have the luxury not to take a trade every day, but if you're making it your full income and you're not in a good financial place to do that, then you're going to take more trades. That's just the way it works. It happens every time. Right. And then what happens? You either, you, most of those guys end up losing more than they win. And then they say trading is a scam. Trading is impossible. Can't do this. Can't make money doing this. It's like, no, you definitely can. You're just going about it the wrong way. Yeah, you, you need to stand back sometimes and think trading is the purest. I think what separates it from a lot of things that involve you know traditional businesses with adding value and and creating it through different things of you know the supply chain. Um, trading is a zero sum game. I mean, every dollar that you make on a trade, somebody lost. And now they may not be looking at it the same way. They might be a hedge on something. They not may not care. But like obviously, when you think about it like that. You understand how hard it is. Everyone wants to make money, but it's not being created or destroyed, right? It's just going between people there. Not losing money is the best part of not trading. Like making money is really, really great. And like I said, I, I, 
I loved so much about trading. I will be surprised if I don't trade on my own later. I've been really, really busy lately because I have three kids now and I'm going to school. And you gained two <laughs> since, since yeah, last I we know. talked. Yeah, I know. I don't. I don't know where they keep coming from. And it's, <laughs> just take them off the street. Like I, I, I honestly, this is not a, a parenting podcast, but like every day is a death march. I couldn't possibly take on <laughs> trading right now. Like I'm serious. Like I, it's just like, is everyone still alive? Okay, let's go to bed and try to do it again tomorrow. But like. And when the kids get older and when things in my life are more settled, 100% I'm going to trade again because I, I miss so much of it. But the not losing money part is really great because it, it's such a painful experience and you know you never get over that. And if you do get over it, you should get out of trading because it's got to hurt or else you won't improve. Like the, the pain of, of knowing you did something wrong is what spurs you to reevaluate and learn from your mistakes and, and improve. So you just made a really, really profound point that I think people struggle to understand a lot of times trading. You have to be a hundred percent there. You're just talking, you got three kids, you got a lot going on. Like it's just not a feasible career path <laughs> to try and go down at this stage in your life. And I think a lot of people get into it and their na initial instinct is, okay, I can trade for one or two hours in the morning and I can still do everything else in my life. And maybe you can get away with that one or two hours, but all the other work that goes into actually being successful at this doesn't matter how little you trade, but the amount of work that you have to put in to be successful, to make that money and to keep growing that account balance, that's where that's where the real work comes in. And if you're not 100% committed to that part, you're going to struggle. Honestly, and for me, it's, you know, I don't know if I have a family. I'm, I'm married now. I wasn't at the time, even when I was just a single, you know, F boy or whatever they call it, just just like yeah. you know, in, yeah, something like that. Uh, even when I was just a single 24, 25 year old guy, nothing hurt, and this really didn't happen as much uh, earlier in the career, but later at Chopper than you know, busting your ass um, for like a month and being in a worse shape financially uh, at the end of it. Doing a whole month of work and losing money is a hard pill to swallow, and. I can't imagine doing it like ultimately, yeah, I'd be fine, you know, eating scraps <laughs> and do it to myself. But if I had a family, I don't think I'd be able to go and go to them and be like, hey, you know, I was gone all day this <laughs> month and uh, we need to sell the car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the uncertainty of it, too. That was actually that was the number one reason of a litany of reasons for why I resigned from DRW. But the number one reason was. Working and trading feels like you're, you're building your house out of sand. Like you can build very fast and you can make some really cool things in a hurry, but you never know if the wave is going to come in or not, or you never know what's going to happen. And I felt like it's irresponsible of me as a, a father to try to support a family relying only on my ability to trade. Like I, I needed to go back to school personally so that I knew I could have other skills to fall back on. And that's why, like, if I go back to trading, it'll be with the knowledge that if it doesn't work out, that's okay. I, I needed to know that it could fail and that would be okay. You know, we have a lot of new traders with us. We have experienced traders. You went through this in 87. How would you talk to someone right now that's trying to either A, enter the market or B, make a decision of if it's even worth trading? Well, it's always worth trading. That's, that's number one. Okay. Always. You want to be in the game, so you have to be in the game. So you have to be engaged in the process. But you also have to understand risk. 
your risk. Obviously, there's risk managers, um, which were different from my day because, you know, it's real time now. Your, your risk manager can see your position, can see what you're up or down immediately. So with that, you have to be cognizant of the risk. If I was a young trader right now, it's not my game because, you know, screens and non-interpersonal communication and stuff like that doesn't work for me. I like to be verbal and stuff like that. But I would tell your traders to stay engaged. Understand that, number one, you don't want to catch a falling knife. I know it's arcane to, to say something like that. But as long as you have levels that you can trust, that you can believe in, then your guys should be engaged in those levels. And I'll tell you the levels right now in the S&P, 2450 to 2500 is a definite buy level. It's going to look ugly at those levels. It's going to look like, wow, what's this guy talking about? He's, he's full <laughs> of, you know, you know what. But that's what it is. It's always worse before it turns. I'm not saying that that level is going to be the level that's going to catapult this market back up, but it's something that it's going to hold and you'll get a bounce. Now, you can get a short-term trading bounce where you're going to make a few bucks, maybe a lot of bucks, and you'll get maybe a five or ten percent move up, and you know, you know, you you know, you you get rid of half your position. You know what I'm saying? But you have to stay engaged in buying and selling and positioning yourself. The day to day things of buying at one and selling at two are very difficult and probably not very profitable in 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 this day and age. But if you keep to your levels and understand flow. You know, you're going to, you're going to come out ahead, especially with the advent of these uh, logarithms. You know, you're dealing not with humans, you're dealing with AIs. You know what I'm saying? And these, uh, type of, you know, are, are usually one way and they keep pushing the market one way. Well, they're wrong too. They're not always right. You know, they're not technically driven. You know, some of them are, but they're mostly event driven. And that's the thing that I would tell your your traders to be cognizant of. Stay disciplined, stay in the game, and I guarantee you, you're going to end up making money. How do you step in and say, I'm going to buy this thing when it's, you know, the S&P is down 800 points in the, in the span of three weeks? You know what I'm saying? That's why I, I bring this back to discipline. You have to be disciplined. Your traders have to be engaged and say, this is crazy. This is a great level. Yeah, my, may I take heat on this? Yeah, I'm never going to just buy the bottom, but I'm telling you, I'm going to be in a good place three months, six months, one year out. You know what I'm saying? This position is going to be good. I can build from here. Every single day, you have like 400 stocks that are moving astronomically large. Amazon, Netflix, Google, Facebook, Zoom, up or down. So if you have to do something right now, it's about focusing and understanding that you're not going to be able to catch it all. You don't have enough money to catch it all. You don't have enough skills to catch it all. Your broker's not going to be fast enough. You're not going to be fast enough. Focus on a little bit. Generate cash flow now and use that cash flow to do something in the near future, whatever that's going to be. Absolutely. And something I want to make sure everyone kind of recognizes, you made the point of saying you're, you're so focused on just a couple specific things. You're not across the board running to every single market. You don't see just because one thing blips, it doesn't mean you have to jump in. It's all predefined going into each and every day. 
you've gone into this situation for going, okay, this is all our focus is going to be, you know, Netflix and zoom are skyrocketing, but you're not hopping in on that. You know, that's not where your focus is right? because I'll, you're not prepped for that. I want to like, again, everyone wants to, but the key word you mentioned, man, is predefined in markets like this. You have to have a structure and you have to go in knowing, yeah, I'm going to miss everything except for these four or five, like all of it. And that's okay. Like someone else is going to make money about it, you know, with trading Netflix or trading Zoom. And I love that. It's phenomenal. Swing trading is still a little bit challenging because, again, just the massive amount of volatility. Unless you're, you know, bullish this week, it could be extremely bearish next week. Who the heck knows? So I think day trading is just going to be the way to approach it. It doesn't matter if it's futures or stocks, but you're right, man. The predefined plans and rules and focuses are going to be the only way to thrive right now, in my opinion. So I'm always asking questions. A lot of people are afraid, man, to ask questions. They're afraid that they're going to get judged. They're afraid that they're going to seem stupid. It's like there are so many trading rooms right now. There's so many trading companies, educational programs, podcasts. This is the time to be, this is the time to be asking questions. Like I'm sure people, your listeners have your emails. They could email you a question. They could email you guys an opinion. It's like, get your questions out there, get asked uh, and start learning. So that's how I learn anything. Wow, that was great, wasn't it? I guess I'll just assume it was because uh, I actually just recorded this one second after the intro. But those were some of our favorite interviews. If you or someone that you know would be a good guest for the show, just reach out to me. My uh, new uh, brevity email is jack at topstep.com. And uh, yeah, feel free to email me about anything. I mean... Not anything, uh, but anything trading related or especially with the podcast, because we'd love to get some uh, different traders and traders around the world on the show in 2021. Uh, always trying to improve, sort of like trading. So I hope that you're making some real strides uh, this past year and can't wait to see the crazy stuff you do in 2021. Love y'all. Stay safe. Namaste and trade well. Limit Up Podcast is produced by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contain substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.